0: Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I talked to Ali Raza, founder and CEO at Throughput Inc. It was a great episode. Throughput really believes that when operations, business, and investors run smoother, workers, communities, society, and the environment benefit. It's such a refreshing approach from an IT company or any company, really. Ali talked to me about exactly what Throughput does, the importance of visibility, harnessing the power of AI and the future of effective supply chains and what that means for your business. There was a lot of inspiration and value there. So I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcasts, or wherever you subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast. It was episode 195. E2Open is an end to end supply chain software platform helping the largest companies in the world with the most complex supply chains in the world. They are partnering with their customers on collaboration, visibility, network connectivity, and handling disruptions. And they see that the ultimate value lies in people and meeting their needs. That's why they partner with their customers. If you are looking for an end to end supply chain solution, check out e2open.com. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I cannot believe we are at the beginning of another amazing month. May has totally crept up on me, but we have some amazing announcements happening this month. One, I can tell you in a couple of weeks The other ones are around our brand new live stream shows. We have Madison Mobley hosting a brand new live stream show all about DEI, the first and the third week of the month. It's going to be Thursdays at 1230 p.m. Eastern for 30 minutes. We've also got our very own Abby Baird coming in hot with Abby Baird, and she's going to be talking about supply chain from the next generation perspective, and that's going to be the fourth. Thursday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern. I cannot wait to share with you those upcoming brand new shows and the big announcement that we have to make. Today, I'm excited to welcome a woman who's shaking things up in supply chain. After roles at big names like Dell and Procter and Gamble, she's now self-confessed anti-status quo and has firmly turned her attention to advocacy, fighting for diversity and inclusion within the industry. Who is it? I'll reveal it after the question of the week. Question of the week, will we all be abandoning video chats once the pandemic is over and we're back in the office? We had a crazy discussion over on my personal LinkedIn page about this. Lots of different opinions. Joanna Mark says, I prefer a video chat over a phone chat, hoping that's the shift we make after the pandemic. Matthias, difficult to say because there's COVID-19 situation in Chile is still bad. However, I think that video calls will still remain as a useful tool after this is over, but hopefully to a lower extent. Mervin, it's highly unlikely to, for this to be over soon, taking into account that working professionals are getting more used to it over time. Some do tie this question with productivity and commute savings, which is quite obvious, but at the cost of working hours and even if that is discounted for, there is an element of building relationships and maintaining trust via video chat compared to an in-person meeting. Jennifer Tracy, I think a lot will depend on company culture and whether there are declared or implicit norms. I like to do walking status updates because I find fresh air and movement is good for critical thinking. Absolutely, I do agree with you on that, that you know, video chat is a little bit limiting. Thanks to everybody who commented on the question of the week. We post that question every single Wednesday morning across our social media. So if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, make sure to go head over to our LinkedIn page on Wednesday mornings and comment. So now back to today's podcast and the incredible woman in supply chain I have with me today is the one and only Madison Mobley. Before I tell you a little bit more about her, let's thank our sponsor because this woman in supply chain series would not be possible without them. So Apex Logistics are proud to sponsor the Let's Talk Supply Chains Women in Supply Chain podcast and blog series. Their leadership team actively works to empower an industry as diverse as their workforce with a focus on inclusion and they're passionate about promoting the voices of women leaders to drive visibility around their achievements. Go find out more at apexglobe.com. So Madison Mobley, having steadily climbed the ranks in the business area of sales, customer management, and HR at Dell and Procter & Gamble, she decided to follow her heart and when she joined Fair Market, a procurement tech startup in 2020, everything changed. Quickly spotting her unique combination of passion and talent, Fairmarket believed in Madison's potential to change the industry, supporting her external ambassadorship roles and recently appointing her to head of belonging, inclusion and inclusion and culture. Today, Madison will be talking to us about her career so far, her passion for procurement, and why honest and open conversations around diversity and inclusion are key. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences and words of advice with us all. So welcome to the show, Madison. Thank you. I am so jazzed to be here. You don't even understand. (laughs) I am. I just I'm so excited to talk to you today. I mean, we have an entire show dedicated to Madison Mobley. I mean, you've joined me on thoughts and coffee. You've been a panelist on blended and announcement. You're actually joining me as blended co host from the next show, which is episode eight onwards. And through all of this. You know, we've got to know each other and really become friends. I've learned so much about you. And so, you know, I just want to share that with the listeners so that they can really get to know you as well, because you, my friend. one amazing woman. So let's start at the beginning. Take us back to how you grew up. Take us back to how you started your career because you have a sociology degree which you initially planned to put into practice with journalism but you actually went on to work in sales at Dell. So tell us all about that journey. What did it look like? Yes, yes.
1: Professionally, absolutely. I am a Columbia University graduate. I did, in fact, major in sociology, which wasn't even the initial plan. I think I had intended to be an economics major or something, but I could not stay awake in class. And (laughs) at the rate that tuition uh, was at, at the time I was going through school, my dad was just like, girl, at least choose something that's going to inspire you to stay awake. And that's how I landed on sociology. And yes, I did want to be a journalist. Uh, when I graduated, though, I learned quick, fast, and in a hurry. Journalism was not about to pay my bills. That was not a path to a sustainable, uh, stable future at that time. So uh, again, had a quick conversation with my dad on that one, too. Uh, he grew up in tech, started his career as an IBM a tech salesperson and is now, you know, a seasoned executive, a member of the Black BC community, and so all that to say, I knew what was possible early on from an earning potential perspective, mm-hmm. uh, and decided to to change my direction. Now with EMC, my brother was already in his second internship with them, so he was gracious enough to refer me, and I joined their tech sales boot camp, and the rest is history. It started as uh, seven weeks in a basement with no windows, minimal food and water. We had coursework, we had exams. It was 90 and above uh, to earn a passing grade, 89 and below. You had to retake the exam and you could not touch the phones until you successfully passed all your coursework and graduated. So I learned tech pretty quickly that way. Now on the personal front, I'm the oldest of three, Uh, My brother and I are 13 months apart. My sister and I are seven years apart. And we were raised by two people who loved each other so much. And Mm -hmm. I remember never not feeling loved and affirmed and never not feeling like I could do anything that I put my mind to. And so that, that's me. And all of that kind of worked itself together to, to give me a pretty, a pretty fiery spirit. I think even to this day about all that I can or can't do.
0: Amazing. And the, it sounds like your journey is like a family affair, right? You guys are all very close. I know you just posted just recently on LinkedIn, a picture of your family together after so long. Um, and you know, it's, it's amazing to hear that, you know, and just share that with the audience to say, Hey, my professional journey also has the personal side to it. And this is what that looked like.
1: Yes. And I, I credit the times for uh, giving me kind of the additional courage for lack of a better word to share some of those things. I think Mm -hmm. the, the pandemic inspired this, this convergence of work and personal kind of by force for a lot of people because we, we've we had yeah. to be at home and we've had to uh, manage it all at one time versus having what we once had, which was kind of a healthy separation between work and play or work and home. <laughs> uh, but fortunate for me, I do have a family who genuinely, you know, loves and respects one another in real life. So it's been easier, I think, than than it may be for others to, to just share that uh, and socialize. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So you were at Dell for, what, seven and a half years? You worked sales, customer experience, HR. It seems like you really got to dig in, get hands-on experience, and had opportunity for growth there. So how did those years kind of shape your career?
1: Oh, goodness. I I would say (laughs) they definitely shaped. They did some shaping. Uh, Those years fueled my appetite for well-roundedness beyond knowing a little bit about a lot. You know, we've heard the the phrase a, a lot, I'm sure, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, but I was actually empowered to learn a lot about a lot. And awesome. I'd say my appetite is just as insatiable to this day. Uh, one memory that stands out, though, I was empowered. or I earned an opportunity, I'll say, to start a company within a company uh, and build EMC's first web and inbound sales team. And so almost overnight, I went from being an account executive with a quota who was sourcing most of her deals on Twitter and LinkedIn and chat forums back then. (laughs) And I started my career when we were printing off call logs still. So the way I was going about generating leads and opportunities uh, was a bit ahead of its time back then, not so much anymore. to building a business case, to receiving funding, to hire a team, to managing a group of 12 people across the US, EMEA and APAC. And I was still a baby then, Uh, but I learned a lot. And so that I think was a very pivotal moment in my career where I realized, even when you think you can't take any more on, you probably can and just trust the process. Uh, that the learning's going to stick and open some more doors down the road. That was kind of the big takeaway there.
0: Amazing. And, you know, too often, you know, especially women, we don't take that leap. We don't take that risk because we don't think that we have the experience necessary. But what you just said there was like, take the leap and you'll learn along the way and just know that it's part of the journey.
1: It's absolutely part of it. And you're right. Women are more likely to say, if I'm not 100% qualified, then I probably shouldn't be doing it. And mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that season in my career because that was never something that I felt leadership thought about me. It was like, yeah. girl, go do this. Like You can do this. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I did. And that, that grew my confidence a tremendous amount at a very early stage.
0: So for those that maybe are just coming out of school and like looking at opportunities like that in their career, how did you, how did you get noticed? What did you do that uh, leadership had noticed um, and, and gave you the opportunity to put that business case together and then ultimately get the funding and the team?
1: I think the way I would summarize it is I knew who I was very early on. Mm -hmm. Of course, my my maturity is a a journey and I'm always learning things about myself. But as someone who chose to lean into a sales career, uh, recall, I never wanted to in the first place. (laughs) I I had planned to, yeah, do some maybe journalistic stuff on camera, but I love the power of the written word. I like writing. I like being um, maybe not as visible. Mm -hmm. And so that showed up in my selling style. I wasn't the one blowing up the phone lines. I wasn't the one pulling up at people's workplaces. I emailed. I DM'd. I I did things that felt natural and true to me, but that also lent itself to more uh, dynamic conversation because I was able to fully show up um, in a world where no one else was really doing that. Because stereotypical sales say you. You dial, dial, dial all day long. You're dialing for dollars. That's kind of the motion. (laughs) And so I think I I stood out because I was willing to do something different, sure, but it was also just me being myself Mm -hmm. and offering a different perspective that was also successful, which then allowed us to... Um, do a bit more research and say, okay, there's a legitimate business opportunity here. If we were to scale the way Madison's doing things and find other people that are a bit more um, comfortable with this selling motion, and then it kind of just spiraled from there. So I think more than anything else, knowing yourself and knowing where you feel most comfortable bringing everything that you are. Those are the spaces that you're meant to grow in and kind of influence others to, to grow in as well.
0: Yeah. Lean into yourself, trust yourself. And even though it might not be the popular thing to do or the popular way of thinking about it, if it resonates with you and it's something that's going to help you in your career, definitely, definitely lean into it. I love that. Mm -hmm. So um, then we're going to you know, go a little bit further down your journey because yeah. you, you then w- were with Procter & Gamble oh, wow. for nearly three years. So you'd gone from big name to big name, big name. Then you ended up in a procurement tech startup. Um, and at first I don't even think you knew how to spell procurement because you said that a few times. (laughs) And so you took that job. It was a new industry. Um, it's a big culture shift, right? You went from big business to startup. Tell us about that decision. How did you decide to do that? Um, did, and, and what did that look like? Yes.
1: So I, first I'll say it was, it was a, Privilege to work for a company like P&G. They they make the best brands. Um, I don't I don't know anyone who can't at least say they've used one of the umpteenth bajillion brands that P&G has put out over the years at least once um, and had a positive kind of uh, brand experience. But the CPG industry moves a little bit slower than tech. And and so I think because I started my career in tech and it's like a week in tech feels like, I don't know if you measure in like dog years, but like seven and a half years at at Dell EMC, I lived a thousand lifetimes. So to move to selling, which what I sold at P&G was toilet paper, paper towels, laundry detergent, it's not as, you know, perky of emotion. And so- Part of the reason why I decided to pivot again or, or find my way back to tech is because I missed that speed of doing business I really did um, now as part of kind of my growth as a professional uh, when I left PNG I looked back on my career and the most fun I ever had was the story I shared about me being able to build a business within a business. Right. I like being in spaces where every day is wildly different. There wasn't necessarily a blueprint previously. Madison, just go figure it out. I like mm-hmm. that. I do that very well. When you try to box me in, that's when I get a little rambunctious, <laughs> and that's when. And if I think back on all the times I've had to be been called into the principal's office at at, <laughs> at an organization, it's because. <laughs> y'all wanted someone that needed to be boxed in and I I just don't I I'm not that girl. Uh so I started looking at and this this again uh found me at you know the table with my parents sitting down like okay what's the what's the best thing to do next? Maybe you should start looking at startup environments that are a little bit more conducive to your working style. Um and so Hopped back on LinkedIn, dusted off my profile. You know, you get it ready for um, the all the interview stuff, and linked back with uh, Kevin Frechette, who's the founder and and CEO of Fair Market, or one of the co-founders, I should say, formally. Um, and we worked together at EMC Corp, fresh out of college, and so that's what got me uh, asking about what procurement is and what what it's about and what it could look like. Um, as part of the next stage in my career. And that's how I found Fair Market.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So they couldn't box you in with toilet paper? No. <laughs> Madison was like, I need to see the forest through the trees.
1: No, and I love me some toilet paper. Don't get me wrong. Like, toilet paper is essential,
0: right? In well, both places. Maybe if you were still there, you know, we wouldn't have had the shortage that we had last year. Right, right. A I a TED talk for
1: another day, but you're right.
0: Maybe. <laughs> and so you joined Fair Market. You didn't know how to spell procurement, but you fell in love with it. You now call yourself a procure tech hyper enthusiast. So, what do you love about procurement and supply chain? I mean, for me, I love the challenges. You know, every day is different. It's fast moving. As, is the industry as dynamic as I know you are? Is that why you're so well-suited? And what do you love about this industry? I think what I love is
1: that it exposes me to all the things I think I've always wanted to know about stuff. Like from the time a thing is thought about, right, when you think about a product, to the mm-hmm. time someone gets to experience it on a shelf, Right. So when I was at EMC, I was very much in the space of, you know, selling stuff that had been manufactured. Sure. But I had never I never gained that perspective on all the things that had to take place to mm. get that thing ready to be sold. Then at PNG, I spent a lot of time talking about shopper psychology, that first moment of truth, the second moment of truth. Uh, when someone takes something home and kind of opens it up, right? What what does that experience look like? Is it delightful? Is it trash? Right. So I I I got that that last half. I don't know that 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 stuff, but I didn't at all know how interesting all the nuance that happens before that moment is,
0: yeah. and
1: that I, I can't even put into words. Um, how much I wish I had been exposed to the art of supply chain, or or I now hear it is being termed as you know, the value chain, fresh out of school. I think my perspective on business would have evolved so much quicker um, and would have become so much more complete. Right. That that's the best way that I can put it. It's just a mm-hmm. fascinating and it's it's so multifaceted, I think. Anyone can find their place in supply chain. When I think about career opportunity, it's just a matter of what you most enjoy to dig into.
0: Yeah. Well, and this is why I love talking about the journey because when we go through the journey of where you started, why you started, what you liked, what did that look like, where you moved to after that, where you moved to from there it really you know, shapes where we are right now by looking back at what that looks like, what you learned from each different uh, company that you worked for or each different role that you had at each of those companies and how it sort of comes full circle. And that's one of the reasons why we talk about journeys on Women in Supply Chain because you can really see it. That story just evolves as we have this conversation. And your story is ever evolving and you have a new job at Fair Market. So firstly, I want to say congratulations because huge achievement and you know, I know it's something that's incredibly important to you. So you're the new head of belonging, inclusion and culture at Fair Market. So tell us, you know, what does that mean? What does the role involved and was that a newly created role? Like, how did that come about? Are you giving, are you being given the keys <laughs> and being told to like, you know, just go ahead and do it?
1: Oh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting the keys to do something, right? And <laughs> I think, I think it's on me to figure out what, what all that something will be, but it's interesting, everything that 2020 was and everything that 2021 kind of continues to be, uh, whether it was the worst of the global pandemic, the adjustment to a remote first working environment, or the height of all the social injustice stuff in America, um, sitting idle wasn't an option. And so last year we assembled a team uh, at Fair Market of individuals that were passionate about uh, growing both psychological safety in the workplace and collective intelligence around topics like uh, racism, bias, and privilege. This team's work also included taking on how we might proactively engage our community, uh, beginning with you know finalizing a corporate mission statement and rolling out a fourth core value, which we've not completely finalized it yet, but it'll probably be something to the tune of be fair. Um, But in any case, it didn't take long before, you know, the leadership team sat down and said, "Okay, (laughs) this work is worth the full time investment if we're truly going to affect change. Right. And so that that's how the role was born. Uh, But I'm thankful to be able to say I did have a very integral part in thinking through what the job description would look like, how would this person be measured uh, and all of the above, right? because there are a lot of companies present day where it's real cute to talk about diversity and it's real cute to get a chief diversity officer and make sure you know she's black or whatever the case may be and it and and that's it. And so performative artistry is not really what we want to do with this and and nothing I would have signed up for anyway. Um, and now it's, it's, you know, we're rolling up the sleeves and getting to work.
0: Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. And, you know, traditionally this industry, right, has been, I mean, we all know we're, we're still, you know, fighting to get women in the industry and women into C-suite roles. Um, we're also still struggling from a diversity standpoint as well as a whole right? Because traditionally it's most roles have been taken up by men and most roles have been white men. So as a queer woman of color, Mm -hmm. growing up, working for some of the big names we mentioned, what have your experiences been and why are you so passionate about advocating for underrepresented voices and making space for them within this community? One thing I will say is that you have shared quite candidly your story on Blended. So, you know, we're going to touch on some of this here, but we also do deeper dives on blended. And so I encourage everybody in the audience to go and listen to that podcast as well. But but tell us, you know, what 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 experiences have have driven you to this and being so passionate about about it?
1: Yes. So it's a few
0: things. So on, on the one hand, I am
1: representative of. um. A marginalized group of people in in various senses of the word, so to your point, yes, I am a black woman, um also someone who identifies as queer, but I also grew up uh in an affluent family um i I did not have the traditional um you know live lives in the inner city you know, had to be bused into better schools. That wasn't my experience. But where I became very confused is, even though that's my truth, I have experienced racism. I have experienced um, homophobic (laughs) beliefs. I've been on the receiving end of of those. Um, I know what that feels like, no matter how smart I was, no matter how... um, No matter how good my family's lifestyle was, um, those things were still very real. And I learned very early that certain groups of people are systematically disadvantaged, but also hate is something that far too many people are still dealing with. <laughs> right, that you're dealing with um, or comfortable with, for lack of a better way to phrase. Um, because I, I grew up privileged socioeconomically, I felt a heightened sense of responsibility to use my resources and my access to opportunity to help people that looked like me who did not have the same access. Right? So a, a few things I want to call out there. even when you are a member of uh, a marginalized or underrepresented group, we all still have privilege that we can tap into and lend to other people. So um, I want to sit that there. Um, but why I'm so passionate is otherness is so magical to me. Like it's so magical to me. I recently watched uh, the Greatest Showman. It's been on my list of movies to watch Mm. for for years (laughs) where P.T. Barnum Barnum turns to showbiz to indulge his limitless imagination. And he features exotic performers and daring feats. And he created a world where misfits and outcasts could experience uh, a sense of home and belonging right and to be clear like i didn't know pt barnum in real life cinema always sensationalizes people's stories right like i'm not here to debate who he was in real life but the point is <laughs> the movie was beautiful like it was a beautiful story of story the power of innovation and inclusion and and all these things and and then the other thing that comes to mind speaking of misfits too um remember when steve jobs uh put out that uh, to the crazy ones, uh, campaign and I have it dang near memorized. It was something to the tune of here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, right? He goes on and on and on. That type of spirit is what breeds the warmer, fuzzier, more conscious tomorrow. Um, mm. And that's, that's why I get up every day and advocate for people who may not have yet chosen to own their voice to do it for themselves. And, I, and, and that's the best way that I can put it, because a lot of this stuff is incredibly disheartening some days. It's confusing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't, to this day, I don't understand why there are certain people who just straight up hate <laughs> folks that don't look think or act like they do mm-hmm. but the reality is that is where we're at yeah um and and, and so what what can we do to lend our privilege what yeah. can we do to lend our privilege that that's best way i can put it
0: yeah and you know you and i are so aligned on all of this you know creating safe spaces for people to be able to To talk about their truth and places for them to be heard or feel heard, you know, and I think it's super, super important, no matter who you are and what you do, you know, and what part of diversity you resonate with, you know, it's just about having those spaces, creating those safe spaces where people do feel safe and they feel like they can share. So on that note, I kind of want to ask, like, can you share some of your goals like short term maybe long term of what that looks like in your new role. I know you're still, you know, finding your footing and trying to figure out what that looks like, yeah. but I'd like to get a glimpse into what some of those short or long term goals would be for you. Yes. So
1: at, at Fair Market, we we're in business to make uh enterprise procurement fair. Right? That's why we get up in the morning to make enterprise procurement fair to sellers, to buyers, to large enterprises, uh, to small and diverse owned businesses. Um, And then the step beyond that is we make supplier inclusion actionable. And so our technology is is good at that. And we're going to continue to do that. Now, my near-term vision internally is to empower everyone to do good at DEI without sacrificing the speed of doing business. We are, you know, a startup and so I've been at organizations where you know, diversity and inclusion training meant, you know, a week offsite or you know, we're shutting down laptops for extended periods of time to talk about heavy topics. Right? I don't think I don't think that's the world that we have to live in. Um mm-hmm. and so I'm mindful of that. I think my work is going to be probably broken out in phases. And, and to your point, I'm still in the developmental stages, but it's going to start with establishing our baseline, right? Just a fundamental benchmark survey, because there are dimensions of diversity that I can see and that I can benchmark, uh, mm-hmm. particularly relevant to um, the, the percentage of men at the company versus women, You know, the percentage of visible diversity versus not. You can eyeball some of that stuff, but there are other things you won't get to unless you ask. And have people weigh in, uh, yes. on how they identify. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the, uh, most fascinating things to talk about, um, as of late for me is kind of the intersection between, uh, race, sex, gender, uh, presentation, right. Because a lot of people think they're one and the same and they're, and they're not. And I'm a living testament of, of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, to, Um, aligning goals and targets, right? I'm thinking of that as kind of our our phase two, to um, normalizing good habits, um, to saying, hey, how can we go about amplifying what our journey looks like? I think more companies should feel empowered to bring their audience and their community along for the ride as they embark on DEI journeys. And then I absolutely have the goal of You know, fair market being part of conversations that say this is the gold standard of what uh, DEI can look like at an organization. Now, that's certainly down the road, but something that I do think about.
0: Love that. And I love that goal. And I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to get there. So one of the really exciting things is that you are going to continue to talk about the cause and help move that needle forward, not only on Blended with me, but you're also going to be part of the Let's Talk Supply Chain family because you are the host of our newest live stream show about DEI. So let's talk about it. Why is it important for you to partner with us at Let's Talk Supply Chain and host a live stream show like this to talk about your journey in DEI and you know talk to those that are leaning into it on a daily basis For me I'm super excited because I think you know this journey has only just started for a lot of people and I think we all need to be intentional about listening, and learning?
1: Mm. You could not have said it better. I mean, first, I fangirl or fanboy, whatever, however I'm feeling that day, about the Let's Talk Supply Chain brand. <laughs> so let's start there. I'll never forget when we first met. I called my mom, and I was like, she's kind of, it's kind of
0: like Oprah. <sighs>
1: Like it's kinda like, like if Oprah were a supply chain food, th- like if and also white, you know what I'm saying? Like you know, like it's kinda like this was me, listen, look, <laughs> you just had to be there. Um, so I I I could not be more excited to partner in this way because I've told you this, I wanna make sure I say it here too. Being a part of the Blended podcast, I, I think I first kind of made my debut on episode two and then came back again to talk uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. But those two episodes will go down in history as the most memorable in my career because that is what the work is about. It's about getting people who really, really care in a room together to talk about the stuff. You can't script it. You can't micromanage it. You can't, you just have to be in it. And the outcome is something so beautiful, so beautiful. And mm. and I knew then, I, I, however it was going to happen, I knew this, this was a world that I wanted to be personally and professionally a part of. Because this is what r- the real work entails, and and if I, I know you should be absolutely proud <laughs> of, of blended and what it what it's been and what it's going to continue to become, uh, but hopefully I can bring you know a fraction of of that of that energy and that value uh, to to a new live stream.
0: Yes. And I have no doubt about it. I mean, I everybody's talking about DEI. Um, everybody wants to learn more. Everybody wants to understand what it means, not only for them personally, but what it means for them professionally and what it means for their businesses and their companies and how you can lean in. And, you know, what are the things that you tried that didn't work? And what are the things? And so going along this journey with you, I think, is just going to be so powerful. And you said it the best about Blended, too. I mean, it's just amazing how when I turn off the record button, how everybody just like the the breath comes out of them. Their shoulders get a little bit lower, right? Because they wow. feel like they've been able to speak their truth. And they've been heard in a safe space. And, you know, I, I think that's what you're going to continue to do on that live stream. So I'm super, super excited. Oh. So I want to know, like, what does the future hold for you? I mean, we've talked about your new job. We've talked about some long term goals. We've talked about the live stream and how you're going to co-host Blended. You got a lot going on, honey. <laughs> but what what does that future hold for you? What, what do you what do you look forward to?
1: It's interesting, the more, and here's the the sort of paradox of learning, right? The more you learn, the more painfully aware I become of the fact that there's so much more that I need to learn about stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the posture that I have present day is I'm just arms wide open to whatever is meant for me um and i i've i've come to believe that that requires more emotional maturity than any amount of planning i could do because it it requires courage to lean into the unknown and mm-hmm. for me it's also saying that i i believe that whatever is meant for me is much bigger than whatever my imagination can can conceive and so i'm not Sure about what the future holds necessarily. I do have I do have a clear vision around how I want to approach my new role. Mm-hmm. But my long-term expectation is, and this goes for everybody who's in you know DEI-related work, the goal is to work ourselves out of a job. Right. Right? The, that, that's the goal. I know we all love our little paycheck, but there's other jobs out there. The goal <laughs> yeah. is to get to a place where everyone is taking ownership of the work. Yeah. Um, yes. That, that, Like that's it. So then we, I don't have to be out here doing belonging, inclusion, culture, and I'm going to have fun while I do it. But 30 years from now, <laughs> I don't want to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I be doing yeah. That
0: yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what is that something where... else? Who knows? But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come to a place where we don't have, we're not talking about it like we are today. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know what I mean? So then finally, what, what advice do you have for girls and women, you know, looking to follow in your footsteps? What would, what would you tell them? I would
1: say, raise your hand. Every opportunity you get to raise your hand, um, own your voice. I know, uh, particularly in rooms full of women, we talk often about, you know, finding our voice. Um, I'm in the camp that it's about owning more so than finding and so owning your voice and then making yourself so necessary that there's really no way around you, right like there like that that's the best way I can put it is make yourself so necessary that there's there's no way around you. um that would be my that would be my two cents.
0: That is such great advice. Yeah, it's such great advice. And I'm going to leave it there because I think that that's a great way to end this. I mean, you and I could talk (laughs) all day long. In fact, we probably will keep talking once we turn off the mic, you know, but I loved having this opportunity to really, you know, share your insights and passion with the listeners and the audience And really get to understand, you know, what your journey has looked like and what it's meant to you, right? I can guarantee that this is just the beginning for you, Madison. I mean, you're a powerhouse, so I just can't wait to see what happens next. I hope to be a part of it and we are going to be a part of it. And so you can connect with Madison over on LinkedIn if you're feeling inspired and you want to learn more about Madison or contribute to the conversations around DE and I in, in supply chain. So thank you so much to the fabulous Madison Mobley for making an appearance in our woman in supply chain series. And uh, just can't wait for everybody to listen.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been a pleasure and I, I cannot thank you enough for all that you've done for me. I mean, I just have to sit that there.
0: If you'd like to hear more from us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest or we have a category filter. So if you're looking for a solution to a supply chain challenge, go to that category filter and uh, look up the part of the industry you're having a challenge with and you will find your solution. Remember to come back next week. I am not going to give you a sneak peek this time because this is a very big deal and a very big announcement. So you're just going to have to come back and check out next week's episode. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, and Clubhouse as well. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com or Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube channel. Next, visit us at ships.com and sign up. We are in full beta for the marketplace, and we are now offering our platform as a standalone white label solution to shippers that are out there looking to work easier and smarter with your freight forwarders. Come and talk to us today. That's shipz.com, or you can you can email me at sarahships.com. At you can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. Plus, we are giving away free copies of that dictionary. You can go to the header on our Facebook page, the Let's Talk Supply Chain Facebook page, click the header and you will get your free copy of the supply chain dictionary. And remember, if you want to get featured on an upcoming episode. Rate us and review us over on Apple Podcasts and we will feature you. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship
1: happens.